A huge aha for me in my teaching career was reading the book Daily Five. Not so much for the framework itself, but the naming of strategies and the explicit teaching that occurred within the framework. Before writing that book, I worked with students on their reading, but I never gave them a specific strategy to try out. Instead, as things came up, we made corrections and then we moved on, only to make the same mistake later on. It was almost as though as the teacher, I had all the secret strategies stored away. I only gave them the pieces and parts as I felt that they needed them. I had never explicitly named the strategy for the student and definitely never explicitly taught them how, when, or why we use it as readers. As soon as I changed the way I taught reading, I immediately saw growth in what my students were capable of accomplishing. The Harris Moves did the same thing in how I taught my writers to support their claims with evidence. I can't tell you how many times I have said to my students, great claim, now back it up with the evidence you found. <laughs> Somehow that rarely gave me the outcome I desired and I didn't understand why. It wasn't until a few years ago I started teaching the Harris Moves that students really gained an understanding of exactly what it meant to support your claim. It was daily five all over again for me. I was not giving them an explicit strategy to use to support their claims. One of my favorite memories of this was a student named Amelia who felt passionately about the amount of plastic in our ocean. She had written a claim stating that we needed to use less plastic and had done research on the amount of plastic that was found in the ocean. She had so many sources to prove her claim and the amounts were growing by the minute. She had chosen to support her claim by stating that the number of tons of plastic that were recently found in the ocean, the number was huge. And while we all knew that as listeners, it didn't have any context for us and therefore it did not impact her audience. She decided to try illustrating and illustrated the number for us by comparing it to the same amount of elephants that that number of tons would be. This one move impacted her entire paper in a huge way, and she was just as taken by it as we were. For Amelia, she will now always have her toolbox of moves that she can make when supporting her claim, as well as an example of when it was effective for her audience. This goes to show the importance of explicitly teaching our students strategies or moves in their writing and has such a and that it has had such a positive impact on my own teaching of reading and writing. Welcome friend. So glad you chose to join our conversation today. I'm your host Patty Wiseman Adams with our producer Jody, Jody Braun, who is working his magic behind the scenes. In today's twig cast, we are going to be talking to Maddie Johnson, and she is going to be um, helping us kind of talk a little more about our essential question, how can we help students identify effective ev evidence and use it to support their claim? As you heard, Maddie started the podcast with um, a story about Amelia. Um, Maddie, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Patty. I found it so um, inspirational to, to really listen to this story from um, the naming of the strategies 
down to you really being candid about maybe how you used to hold those strategies kind of close to your chest. And one day you just realized, um, I need to give the kids these strategies so that they can use them. And to me, that's a big aha too. Yes. And I feel like it's even hard to think, what was I doing before that? Just because that now seems so obvious to me, but um, it was a huge aha for me. And I think, you know, my teaching really changed after that. And kids were really grasping concepts in a different way where I hadn't seen that before. I think you bring up the, um, when you brought up daily five as well, I mean, you think about it, sometimes we learn all these really, um, really great strategies and we, we know like tons of them, right? And then, you know, the pendulum swings and, you know, before we would be very explicit, you know, very direct instruction. And then you, then you kind of get away from that, right? And then you forget that kids need that explicit teaching. They do need some direct instruction sometimes. And I think it's um, really interesting how you saw that in daily five. Could you kind of tell us a little more about um, how you noticed that with kids in the daily five and, and, and how you connected that to your argument writing? Sure. I think that, um, I think that one that just kind of comes to my mind right now is a strategy called flip the sound where when you are reading with kids and they say a word with a short A sound that really is a long A sound, you would cue them to flip the sound and they would switch to the long A, right? Or whatever it is. Um, Such a simple strategy and with a mini lesson on that for your kids, maybe a couple mini lessons for those that need it. Um, And that simple cue of flip the sound, eventually kids start to flip the sound on their own when they read. Um, And that was just something I never did before. Before it was me saying, oh, let's look at that letter. You know, what is the E in this word doing to help with the, you know, and I had to explain it every single time as opposed to teaching and giving them all of that background ahead of time. And being able to cue kids um, in a different way is something that um, was just a huge aha to me. Well, and with reading strategies, do you find that when we started doing some of the work that we're doing with Twig, we started noticing that maybe some of those strategies for writing were something that we hadn't been teaching before? Yes. I mean, I think especially with the Harris moves, I mean, how many times I can think about telling a kid, um, uh, you know, just just take us take a second and look at your um, look at all of your evidence and decide which one best supports your claim to say that over and over again. We were really not teaching them anything. And I know for for me, even last Tuesday, when we were trying to support our own claims, when you're researching something, you gather so much information that you're overwhelmed by everything that you have. And so I know our students feel that same way. And so to be able to choose from a list of moves um, or strategies that they can pull from really just 
kind of opens the door for them to say, oh, well, I can do this. This would be a good idea right now. And I know I felt that way on Tuesday, um, just in practicing writing our own claims as well. So you bring up a really good point. And for um, some of our listeners um, who maybe haven't heard of the Harris moves or they've heard of them, um, read about them, like, you know, from the teacher point of view, but not really use them, you know, maybe thought they were a little too difficult to use with students, especially in the elementary, middle grades, or even high school. Um, Would you mind just giving us a little brief overview of how you began using these moves, maybe what they are and how you started with your fifth graders with these moves? Yeah, I started, I believe, by introducing, illustrating, and authorizing um, to my students. And we did that through the use of a mentor text. And so we were not only looking at a text, um, I believe we were studying zoos at the time, and um, we had looked at the text for our information to gather um, resources as we were learning about zoos, but then we stopped and looked at it a little bit differently um, at the moves that the writer was making. Um, and they did authorize different authorities who they were interviewing at the zoo or illustrated different um, maybe things that were happening at the zoo. And so that was really helpful for them to be able to start making those connections by seeing authors. Well, and I noticed when you talked about um, Amelia, your former student, and when she was studying plastics in the ocean, and first of all, she was really passionate about her own topic, which, I mean, kudos to you, because that's exciting, right? But then she decided to use illustration or illustrating as a move, and you said the class was blown away. And I'm just wondering, like, now that Amelia got to make that choice, see that choice um, come to fruition, and then her audience got to experience, you know, illustrating too, what do you think that does for her? as a writer and, and a learner? Well, I definitely think she, she gained power as a writer because she was, she was able to see how her words affected others when she shared that out loud. And I think, you know, so often we read these giant numbers and text and, um, or hear someone say them and you kind of brush it off as to, oh, yeah, huh, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sometimes there, sometimes there's a nice text feature there that you can refer to as well. But by taking that extra leap to take the time to really illustrate that for her audience and kind of create this picture for them in their mind um, and for her to see the reaction that each of her classmates gave – she had so much power in her words that was presented that probably she hadn't felt before. Right. Um, Where all of a sudden we all went, Oh my gosh, you know, I don't remember the number, but that's a lot of elephants. Like there's no way there's that much plastic in the ocean. And um, it really had an impact on all of us and her. Well, and you remind me, you know, when kids have that toolbox, or even when they when they see another student um, when they're engaged in each other's writing, to the point when they're sharing like that, they might not have, you know, have that same aha moment that Amelia had. 
but they've experienced it with her and then they want to be able to demonstrate that same thing, right? Mm -hmm. They want to replicate that in their own writing. And so maybe they go back and go, I wonder if I have any spots where I can illustrate, you know, or, um, and then besides illustrating, you were talking about authorizing. And I was wondering, um, I know we talk about um, evidence and, you know, if it's credible and if the source is credible, how do you think um, using um, Harris's authorizing maybe takes it a little further than just, oh, is this credible evidence? Is this source credible? You know, I don't, I'm not really sure, Patty. I think that maybe we can have a conversation and kind of think through that together. Um, I would, I'm definitely thinking about the experts and bringing the experts into your text. Um, but I'm not sure how it makes it different. I wonder if it's partly like having them um, trying to see, teach students to, if that expert validates their thinking, like if their thinking is on track, rather than just trying, you know, like before, we're like, okay, kids, make a claim. Now you're going to go in search of this evidence to support your claim, does it? And that, I mean, that's how I did it anyway. And now with authorizing, you're also kind of double checking all the time to see if the expert brings mm-hmm. any weight to your, to your claim instead. It's a very minute change, but it's a powerful change. And when we were at Twig last week, um, we had a note catcher called Making Moves with Sources, and we used some language. Do you remember the language that we were trying to to use in our own writing to kind of, to try to not force, but to kind of help lend a hand so we can practice this terminology? Yeah, I really liked it. I think for me, the having that list in front of me to really think through um, what I wanted to say kind of helped guide guide me um, guide me to kind of answer the question. Well, what is the what's the best um, evidence I can put forth right now, or um, how can I? Oh, I don't even know. How can I? Um, kind of prove my claim. Um. And we also know that like, you know, when, when young writers are starting out, we know the power of sentence frames, but I think this takes it just even a tad bit deeper where, where they're starting to notice that authors make certain moves. Like we said, like illustrating, like that seems to be the one with younger writers that is, really easy to get to because you know kids are really good about you know putting pictures in their mind but when they start thinking about experts that's where it starts to get a little dicey and we're kind of like you know they basically think if if a if a grown-up with a degree or you know with a doctor behind (laughs) their name I mean I feel like my students did that they're like well they must know you know but not all experts are created equally, right? 
That's true. Yeah. And to really be able to think through that and kind of weed those out for themselves is definitely what makes authorizing a little bit different. I also, I remember when you were doing the zoo, um, the zoo topic um, a few years back, because we would talk about it. And um, I think one of the things as a teacher, like you were first to make your own tech set. I remember that, like, I was still scared of it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I can make a tech set that I feel comfortable with. And you went ahead and tried it. And then not only did you do illustrating and um, authorizing, you used two other um, Harris moves, countering, and I think extending. it was extending. And would you say out of the two that, or out of the, out of the four, extending is perhaps hardest for some of us to do? Yeah, I think that my students struggled with that one the most. And I remember, I remember I tried to teach the first two kind of through inquiry. Um, but it ended up that the students really needed these concrete examples, I think, to get started with illustrating and authorizing. However, I think that countering really came up authentically within the work because as kids were beginning to illustrate and authorize and use their different pieces of evidence within the text, they'd also gathered, I think, unintentionally information that countered their claim. And once they understood that information a little bit deeper, um, they wanted to know how to use it. And so we were able to have in small groups kind of discussions about countering that claim and what that might look like. And, you know, is this evidence too strong or is this just the right evidence to put here in order to kind of show the other side, but also then come back um, strong with what you're believing I, I remember that too. I think, and then I was working on it with my sixth graders at the same time you were working on it with your um, fifth graders. And I believe I was using a different topic at that time, but I had the same very exact same um, experience where I tried to, I really thought, okay, I want them to inquire and we're going to look at some, some arguments that other people are making. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to name those things those, and bring them out and go, oh, look at there. And, and then I'm going to teach them, oh, this is illustrating. Oh, this is authorizing. And it's all going to come about organically <laughs> and naturally. And, and that works a lot of the time for a lot of things. And, and, and I find that to be a great strategy. But in this case, because this is so difficult, even for adults, like we've practiced this as teachers several times now over the years, and it is still something that I need almost like a graphic organizer to help me um, center my thinking and my writing as I'm trying to make this move. And the kids needed the same thing, right? They needed yes. the organi organizational or the work prior. And it was okay in that instance not to do it through necessarily inquiry, which we try to do with a lot of things. But it reminded me, um, sometimes you got to directly teach them something first before they are comfortable enough to 
um, to work with it and practiced with it. So yeah, and I think that's where that connection back to the daily five of yeah, you really do have to just give some explicit instruction sometimes in order to start to really explore and have fun and then dig into the inquiry with it. So, you know, a lot of times, as we do in education, we have some things that work. And like, we're not necessarily sure why they work. And it sounds (laughs) like you're like, wait a minute, I am recognizing that, yeah, I need some explicit instruction and direct instruction here for the kids. And just like with the mentor text, right? Mini lessons, like it needs to be quick. It needs to be targeted. It needs to be um, something that they can go back and practice right away instantly. And I mean, to me, that was a big aha when we started really working on those mentor texts as models, as writers. Why was I not doing that years ago? <laughs> Explicitly. <laughs> uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yes, we're, we're going to get there. We're getting there. <laughs> so. Well, Maddie, it has been a joy to, as usual, to talk to you. Um, I know you have a baby going to be due here in the next week. And so I really appreciate you um, taking time out of your busy day, your tiring day, to talk <laughs> to talk with me about um, the Harris moves. Um, and I think, you know, just really being honest about how difficult it can be and how much how much this is like practice for us as teachers. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit that we have to practice our teaching strategies with students and students need to practice writing. I mean, it's, it's just practice, practice, practice. And, um, and lots of, lots of talk about that practice and what works and what doesn't. And I definitely appreciate I want to remind our listeners that we are, um, you can, you can access twig.fun on the, on the web. We also have a blog and that is on our website, twig.fun. We have this podcast. Um, We also um, have Instagram and Facebook. If you are interested in what we've been throwing down, please join us on Tuesdays with Twig. Our next session is going to be starting on November. Oh my gosh, can you believe it's November? November 9th. And we are going to be talking about how do we respond to and borrow others' ideas to advance our own arguments. So that is if you want to kind of see a continuation of um, these moves that we are trying to learn or help teach that we are trying to teach students to make in their writing. Um, join us and maybe you have some things that you have found to be successful because we'd love to hear it as well. So Maddie, have a great week and thank you everybody who has listened. Thank you, Patty.